Thank you, music team. Take your Bible this morning and go with the pastor to 2 Timothy chapter 2. We began reading in verse 20 and read through verse 23. Well, welcome. Good to see you on this uh, cool northwest Florida morning. Felt fresh out there today, didn't it? Amen. That's good. We get three days of that a year, so I'm glad we're here today. Amen. <laughs> 2 Timothy chapter 2. Young uh, Timothy is being exhorted uh, by Paul, and I want to exhort you today as Paul exhorts Timothy and we exhort one another generation unto generation. Message simply, honorable vessels. The question is, what kind of vessel are you this day? Paul says, now in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and of earthenware, some to honor, some to dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Now flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart, but refuse foolish and ignorant speculations, knowing that they produce quarrels. Father, I ask you now that your Spirit would come and anoint the preaching of the Word of God, eclipse me out of the way in spirit of the living Lord, Speak to all of our souls this day and develop honorable vessels in this fellowship. In Jesus' name, amen. Paul illustrates that in a large house there are vessels of gold and silver, earthenware, wood, we would say today plastic. There are those that are valuable, less valuable, the question is not, what are you made of? The question is, what do you contain? You, you see, the mark of an honorable vessel is what it contains, not what it's made out of. Are you full of Jesus or full of yourself? You're full of something today. If you're not full of Jesus, you'll never be an honorable vessel. No matter how shiny you may be on the outside, unless Jesus radiates from within, you'll never give honor to his name. Uh, I was reading through this text midweek, and I began to look for the silver cup. It's in my office. I was awarded this silver cup as a sophomore junior college. Only one person a year received one. And I started looking for it. I couldn't find it. I finally asked my wife, I said, have you seen that silver cup? She said, well, it's got to be there. I said, well, I can't find it anywhere. No, it's in my office. She said, well, I cleaned it and shined it. She said, I ordered and put a glass cover on it. It's got to be there. She came and started looking through the office. She said, oh, oh, yeah, here it is. 
I said, well, where? No, she said, it's behind the picture of the grandchildren. I said, oh, yeah, the story of my life. Amen. Hey, it doesn't matter what you're made out of. It's not what you look like on the outside. It's what's on the inside that makes you honorable because Christ in us is the hope of glory that shines through us. There are all kinds of members of the church. They're true believers. They're hypocrites. And there are frauds. What you need be is an honorable vessel. He speaks of that vessel in verse 21. He says about it, it's sanctified. That is your spirit field. If you're going to be sanctified, you've got to be filled with the Spirit. Manly Beasley used to say when he'd teach, and I'd listen to that old prophet, he said, just a glimpse of Jesus will save you. Amen. Just glimpse his way, and he'll save you. But he said, you must gaze on Jesus to be sanctified. You must look again and again for him to be in you that you would be sanctified. That is spirit-filled. And, and then useful to Jesus, you must be submissive. As he says, useful for the master. It's just one master, Jesus' name. And you bow to him in submission. Are you in submission to the... You'll never be an honorable vessel until you've submitted yourself to the master. And then he says also, prepared for every good work, you become a servant of all. A foot washer, one serving anywhere at any time, any task. You're sanctified, useful to Jesus, prepared for every good work. Servant, servant. I read a silly little story this week about a preacher that had moved to a small town to be the new pastor and he had some things to mail and he was walking down to the square he wasn't sure where the post office was and he saw a mother and a little boy looked to be third or fourth grader and he asked the little boy said do you know where the post office is and he said well sure two blocks down there to the left you find it he said well thank you he said i'm the new pastor in town said if you'll come sunday i'll tell you how to get to jesus he said, get to Jesus. You don't even know where the post office is. <laughs> well, the preacher was trying to serve, but he was struggling. You, you understand? Well, our job is to serve, serve, serve. We, we might, if we're going to be honorable vessels, we've got to be filled with the Spirit of God. We must be in submission to Christ, and then we must be servant of all. Remember, it's what fills you that makes you that honorable vessel. Then he gives us in this text, three action words and it's those words I want to nail on the wall today and look at he says flee pursue and refuse an honorable vessel flee pursue refuse so let's dive into text and, and look first of all honorable vessels Flee, and notice it in verse 22. Now flee from youthful lusts, youthful lust. 
What are, well, certainly sensuality, sexuality would be a part of that, uh, the lustfulness of a man or a woman's mind or heart and soul. Uh, so, yeah, flee from that, run from that, but, but that's not the entirety uh, of that word of fleeing from lust. There, there's also pride and ambition, love of applause. Paul is exhorting Timothy in this text, the older exhorting the younger, and he's saying, uh, flee from youthful lust. And this morning, here at Olive Baptist Church, I'm calling out, I'm calling out the, the young generation to flee from youthful lust, die to yourself, live for Christ, be filled with the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ, and let this next generation rise with the good and the glory of God upon them. Now you say, Pastor, who, who are you talking about? Well, there are several generations, and if we're going to be the church God wants us to be and what He's blessed us to be, we must be multi-generational in this church. Well, we must reach down uh, to the mothers and daddies that have little preschoolers down here this morning. We must reach to those high schoolers that are going on retreat this weekend, be back this afternoon, and their parents as well. We must reach to a college generation that God is blessing us with to reach here at the University of West Florida uh, and Pensacola State College. Even this afternoon at 2 o'clock, uh, the Gulf South Conference champion football Argos will be on our campus again, and we'll have opportunity to speak a quick word in, into their heart and, and speak to their soul. And that group that meets on Tuesday night at Crossroads, we, we must speak into the life and the soul of, of all of, of those students. Then there is also a, an older generation, the parents of these children. Beyond that, there is the aging baby boomer crowd. Some are retired, some are not. They're kind of half and half, one foot in, one foot out, trying to decide. Let me say to all of my boomer buddies here, if you're just looking to retire so you can go take it easy, God is not pleased with you. You have more time and expertise and experience that God could use you for His good and glory to touch the next generation. He will not ask you how many trips you've been on when you get to glory. He's going to ask you, for my good, did, did you touch a coming generation? Then there's that old crowd. You say, well, who is that? Well, classify yourself. <laughs> you know who you are. You say, who is that young crowd? Where some of y'all just understand it ain't you. All right, all right, amen. But till Jesus calls you home, he's got something for you to do. I'll never forget going in the hospital, and this is true. This is not a deacon talk. It's the truth right here, I'm telling you. I went to see, years ago, an aged man in the hospital. He's at death. He, he said, Preacher, why won't God let me die? I said, 
I guess he's got something yet for you to do. He said, well, I ain't going to do it. He might as well take me home. I mean, he told me that. Well, don't look at your pastor today and tell me, I don't care what God's got for you. I ain't going to do it. Let me tell you, if God's got you here drawing breath, he's got something for you to do. And part of that is for a Paul to touch a Timothy, but don't get it upside down always because a Timothy can also touch a Paul. Hear me, younger generation, you are not the church of the future. You are the church today. We are all in this together. Mm-hmm. Honorable vessels, they flee from youthful lusts. But secondly, honorable vessels pursue, and there are five pursuits that he named. Righteousness, faith, love, peace, and fellowship. First of all is righteousness, righteousness. In Romans chapter 6, verses 12 and 13, Paul speaks to that righteousness when he says in Romans 6, 12 and 13, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust. And do not go on presenting the members of your body as sin, to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness. Members, instruments of righteousness. God wants to use you, but, but you've got to be full of the Spirit of God so that the righteousness of Christ is in you and comes through you. Pursue that. Be holy. Be righteous. And let the righteousness of Jesus come through you. Pursue faith. That's sincere confidence in God. We, we don't live by sight. We walk by faith. We must believe God and trust God. When, when we can't see the hand of God, yet we trust the hand of God. For by grace are you saved through faith. Pursue righteousness. Pursue faith. Pursue love. This is a growing affection for the people of God. That the depth of love is within your soul. Peace. Pursue peace. This is harmony with other believers. Even when you dis disagree, yet, yet you walk in peace. The church is, oh my Lord, it's divided enough. The world's got us arguing with each other about things that are stupid. God help us that, that we might be together in peace. This last week, I was called on to preach at the Florida Baptist Convention. They assigned me Philippians 1 and 27, that we are to strive together in unity. The theme was bless the tie that binds our hearts together in Christian love, that, that we should walk in peace. Mm. Lord, help us to hold hands and walk together even when some non-essentials we are divided on yet we walk in peace and then there's the word fellowship 
it, it's not spelled out, but he says to do all four of these things with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. There's to be a fellowship. You, you are to pursue this unity, this, this fellowship. That's why some of you in here this morning need a church. You ought to come join this church. There are people online today that ought to be a part uh, of this church. But those of you that are in this room, when I give the invitation in a few moments, I'm going to be standing right here. I invite you to come. Put your life in this church. Go to a next step table out there in the foyer and be a part uh, of this family. God's called you to pursue Fellowship. Be a part. Paul to Timothy. Pursue. We've had a hard two weeks with the young generation. Attempted suicides. Successful suicides. Funerals. College kids in homeless shelters. College kids that have run from righteousness. There's a a broken heart in a lot of pews today because of a coming generation turned from God. But let me say to that generation, pursue God, run hard after Him. Pursue a career, yes, pursue a job, oh, but above all, pursue God. Pursue God. Run after Him hard. 1970, 4th of July, word came that Myron Ferguson, 11th grader, Pisgah High, had drowned that day trying to swim across the Sylvania Lake. Myron was the piano player in our youth choir. In our high school band, he was a trumpet player, phenomenal trumpet player. Many of you know that this weeks ago, I was invited back to my hometown high school to speak. They asked me, gave me 30 minutes to speak to the 6th through 12th grade, say whatever I wanted to say. And so as I pulled into the little town, instead of turning right to go to the church, I turned left to go up the hill to the graveyard. I knew right where it was. I pulled off underneath the big oak and I knew I wouldn't have to walk from here to the front row, not that far. Just about 10 steps and I knew right where his grave was. That morning I left early and I walked out to Myron Ferguson's grave. There's an oval with his picture there. They put his picture on his tombstone. Young kid. Right under his picture is engraved in that granite a trumpet. Oh, he was a phenomenal trumpet player. And I stood by that grave and thought back to that Saturday. You see, we were to meet that night at the Sylvania. Oh, I hated that bunch. They were big rivals. But all of that melted away. 
We went to the Sylvania High School. And on one side of their gym, it was a double-decker. We put the stage on one side, and one of our young preachers preached. And Oh, my Lord, there was a heaviness in that meeting because so many knew that that boy had drowned that day. I don't understand Romans 8, 28. I preach it, I believe it, I live by it, but I don't understand it. But somehow that day God caused all things to work together for good for those that love God and called according to his purpose. There was his sovereignty working in our free heart. That heaviness that fell on that meeting that night, the invitation given, I mean hundreds of people came because Young high school and college kids had said, if he can die, I can die. And if he dies, is he sure? I don't know if I'm sure. And the glory of God splashed on that meeting. Young boys and girls, high schoolers and college age, flooded to an altar to pursue righteousness and faith and love and peace and fellowship. I tell you what honorable vessels need to do this morning in every church across the land and around the globe is that they need to pursue holy God. Run after Him. Pursue Him. And know Him. And if the death or the near death of some of your friends has caused you to say, what's up? God's up. Look up. He'll pick you up. Cry out to him. And God will do a work. What kind of vessel are you? You, you got to be full of Jesus to be an honorable vessel. And when you are honorable, yes, indeed, you will flee from youthful lust. You, you'll pursue Righteousness, faith, love, peace, and fellowship. But thirdly, honorable vessels refuse. Notice at verse 23, they refuse foolish and ignorant speculations, knowing that they produce quarrels, <laughs> fussing and fighting and quarreling over things that are non-eternal. You say, well, what's that mean? Well, you go back to verse 16, he tells you exactly what it is. He says, avoid worldly and empty chatter, for it will lead to further ungodliness. And their talk will spread like rottenness, like gangrene. And among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, men who have gone astray from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already taken place, and they upset the faith of some. There is no place within the family of faith for rottenness. Uh, difference of opinion, yes. Challenging one another, yes. But yet loving one another, but when you're upsetting the faith of others and you're causing a rot, a cancer to come. He says, refuse those foolish and ignorant speculations. Work for a unified body. Now, that's not easy work. But we draw one another together and love each other in Jesus' name. Oh, the church is a fussing right now. Our own Southern Baptist life. My Lord, I've never seen it like this. But I know my history. 
We've been a fussing ever since we started. It's what Baptist means in Greek. <laughs> but for the good of the gospel, we've put our peripheral issues aside and joined together so we can go with the Great Commission around the world. That's what we do. But somehow now these foolish speculations rise up and eclipse the gospel. They, they invited me to preach, and I did, and I used the illustration of the boys in the boat. Somebody in this church gave me that book. I can't even remember who it was, but I've been reading that book, The Boys in the Boat, the 1936 rowing team from the University of Washington, a bunch of ragtag guys. They were nothing. Yet they won gold in the 36 Berlin Olympics, right under Hitler's nose. God raised them up because they became one together. And because I knew my mother could not hear me or she would not remember, even if she were told. I used the illustration from that coach who told those boys to put their butts in the seat of the boat and row. And I said, Florida Baptist, put your Baptist butts in the seat and row. And I walked off the stage. And they cheered and shouted and hollered. I don't know if they rode or not. But time will tell. Olive, get in the boat and row. Not with speculation and foolishness, but with faith for the gospel. Row. This text always reminds me of the fourth chapter of 2 Kings. You may not know it, but you remember it when I tell you. In 2 Kings 4, Elisha is the prophet, and he stops by the widow's house, and her husband, of course, has died, and she has a son, and he asks her what she has, and she said, I have one cup of oil. And Elisha says, Get every vessel you can find, every vessel in your house, your neighbor's house, go up and down the street. Get every vessel you can, and they begin to bring them. And Elisha takes the little cup of oil, and he starts to pour. And every vessel they bring that's empty, it fills it. And they bring another, and it fills it. And they pour, and they pour. It's a miracle. And Elisha said, do you have others? And the son says, that's all. And when he said they were finished bringing empty vessels, they couldn't find any more empty vessels, the oil stopped. And Elisha said to the widow, now sell the oil and pay off your debt. And take the rest and sell it and live on it, and God will meet your need. What God's looking for at Olive today is an empty vessel that will come and say, fill me, Lord, and make me honorable. Yeah. He's looking for a vessel that will say, Lord, I, I can't by myself. I, I lift it up. Hmm. Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come and that note's too high for me to hit. 
Come and quench the thirsting of my soul. Bread of heaven, come and feed me till I want no more. If you'll lift your cup today, God will fill you up. He's looking for an empty college vessel. He's looking for a senior adult that would say, I'm tired of myself, I ain't, and I lift, and God will fill you and make you an honorable vessel, sanctified, useful for the master. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. He'll do it if he can find a vessel. Now, if you're full of yourself, forget it. But if you empty yourself and God fills you, that's what this college and high school generation, middle school generation, is what they need. They need the fullness. Say, I don't understand. You don't have to understand. God works it all together for good. I'm going to invite you to come and ask Christ to save you today. Some of you need a church. You need to come. You need that fellowship. Some of you never been baptized. Some of you got saved last week and you hadn't been baptized. You, you need to come. Some of you are here and you have children and grandchildren that are in the far country running from God and you need to come and wet these steps with your tears. And lay the name of that child before the Lord. Some of you have grandparents that are in the far country. And you need to come and bring their name and lay them before the Lord. You see, often Paul teaches Timothy. But oh yes, it happens when Timothy teaches Paul. All God's looking for is a vessel. He was my friend. I still have a message on my phone I've never erased from Bill Stafford. I just want to hear his voice every now and then. And I go click it and hear that old North Carolina nasally guy talk. He's preached here. They asked Brother Bill to write his biography. And he wrote it, and he titled it, Just a Vessel. Just a Vessel. That's all of our stories. Just a Vessel. So when John starts singing, right after I pray, and when I say, Amen, out of that balcony around here, I want you to get up. I want you to come. I want you to say yes to Christ. I want you to be saved today. See, I've been saved, ready to be baptized, join this church. I want you to come. I want you to come. Or maybe you come just with a broken heart and lay your vessel before the Lord. Then I invite you to come here. Bring yourself or your family and say, oh God, have your way. Have your way. I'm going to pray. As soon as I say amen. Get up coming, get up coming, get up coming.
There were broken people all over this room at 9.30 and they're in this room as well. I lift my cup. Fill it, Lord, this day. Father, thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, we want to be honorable vessels. Lord, we come before you now praying that you'd fill us. Draw that lost person. Draw that person that needs to be a part of this church. Help us do business with you today, not being dishonorable, but being honorable under your name. We give you thanksgiving in advance for what you're about to do. In Jesus' name, amen.